In life, we will meet resistance, which can leave us feeling worn down and worn out. But we can find a reason to keep going. Show up, push through, and never give up. Twenty seconds. There were not twenty seconds left. Timer said twenty seconds. Okay. Guys, hello. I'm Jay. You want me on this little step, Morgan? Or is this okay? Awesome. How's it going, guys? My name's Jay Gunn. Good to see you. Good to be here. Uh, Morgan got the got the nod. He got he got called in from the pen to spend the weekend in the big room. And uh, he didn't think he'd have enough vocal strength and uh, endurance of legs to be up here again. So uh, he called up somebody from the minor leagues. Um, that guy couldn't make it either. Um, so then he saw me walking by his office last week and said, hey, you. And so I'm here. And it's going to be here with you. <laughs> I'm honored, honored. Uh, but no, uh, I'm Jay. I'm one of the group directors here at the church. What that means is that when you graduate high school, then it's my job to make sure you get in a small group and just tell everybody around you your junk. Uh, I, I hope you're practicing for that here. Uh, you're, you'll have a chance later, right? Uh, you, this is community group night. So uh, I hope that that time is spent just unleashing your junk. Uh, you, well, let me ask you this. Were, in the last week, have any of you been frustrated by your mom or dad? That's right. One of my children knows better than to raise their hand. Uh, I'll, I'll do you one better. Um, in the last month, have any of you had a response of, well, that wasn't fair. Or, or even, it's not fair. That one. Yeah, that's the one. Um, I had that. Uh, my wife asked me to try to fix a squeak in our bed, and that was my first response. And my side's not squeaking. It's not fair. The last few times you guys have been meeting, you guys have been talking about resilience, or so I've been told. You remember this? And resilience is what? Anybody? You remember what resilience is? Yeah? Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. Uh, resilience, right? Bouncing back once you've been knocked down. Starting to ring some bells. Resilience. Bouncing back. Tonight, specifically, we're going to talk about resilience in and for ourselves. What do we do with those challenges in, in our lives? What do we do with these moments in life where we, we just get the wind knocked out of us? Where we think everything's going great. Something happens. And there we are. Knocked down. 
And then the question becomes, what's next? Because there are a couple options, right? We could, we could try to plaster a smile on our faces and tell everybody around us that it's okay. We could try to do that. Some of you guys might be doing that right now. Like you're hurting, struggling with something, but unwilling to open that part of your life up. I, man, I was there. It pains me to say this. I'm 44 now. And for 28 years, that was me, that I was the guy who pushed everything down. And it, it kept me from bouncing back. Have you faced something so far in your life that's made you want to give up? To just stop trying, to stop engaging, to stop. Um, I just told you it's going to be great for the rest of your life if you find people in your life that you can share your junk with, but you tried that once and it backfired. Somebody gossiped about you. Somebody told somebody else the thing that you asked them not to. And so something like that makes you realize, I can't trust everybody in this world. And with that thought, that can move to, I can't trust anybody in this world. And there we go. We have a circle of 10 people that we would call friends, but I don't trust them enough to unload what is on my heart. You got guys leaning the back of the room and sitting in amongst you who who would love to be that person for you. And it's hard. It is hard to trust somebody. I remember it well. But we're going to talk about Paul tonight. Uh, You guys have probably heard from the Apostle Paul tons over the last several months. Paul was, Paul was a Jewish believer. Well, before he was a believer in Jesus, he was Jewish. And his claim to fame was that he chased down, arrested, imprisoned, and killed Christians. And he loved doing it. And he was really good at it. And then one day, Jesus knocks him off of his horse blinds him, and changes his life. And from that moment, Paul became the, the New Testament author. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He planted churches in cities around the known world at the time. And he would spend the rest of his life telling people that Jesus is alive. And his his. His journeys were pretty impressive. So we're going to read from 2 Corinthians 11, 23 to 27. And I want you to remember that thing. A lot of you guys raised your hands about something that wasn't fair, uh, something that just, uh, something sucked lately, and it's still kind of stinging. I want you to think about this, and I'm not going to downplay your experience, but I want you to, I want you to read these words with me. 2 Corinthians 11. 23 to 27. Paul writes, I have been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, faced death again 
and again. Five different times. This is mind-boggling. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Let's pause. You guys know what uh, it means to be lashed? You know what a lash is? Yeah, my man. That's exactly like a whip thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he got lashed, he got whipped. And in that time, it was believed that 40 lashes would kill someone. And so they gave him 40 minus one. So they didn't want to kill Paul, they just wanted to get real close. Not just once. How many times? Five times. I sprained my ankle a couple months ago, and I was on my couch for an entire weekend. I couldn't have handled that. Verse 25, three times I was beaten with rods. Three times. Beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. A few years ago, my mom took my family and my sister's family on a Disney cruise. Have you guys ever been on a cruise? Oh, you got. I wish you would have known my mom. She might have let you come along. This was not that. Uh, this was a drift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I've faced danger from rivers and robbers. I've faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. Right? Gentiles is that term for anybody who wasn't a Jew in the Bible. I've faced danger in the cities, danger in the deserts, danger on the seas. I've faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. Right, Paul's saying, yeah, you kind of expect it from, from people who don't believe in Jesus. But I've even gotten it from people who claim to be Christians. So if that's also been you, Paul knows what it feels like. I've worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep warm. And at no point, at no point does Paul ever write to the Christians that he is helping among the known world. At no point does he ever say, and it's just not fair. So we're, we're kind of faced with this question, but why? Because, because that's, that's not what I would call fair, right? The only thing my man was doing is going around and telling people that Jesus died and he's alive and you should give your life to him. And for that, for that simple message, he spent the rest of his days 
being attacked and vilified and imprisoned, tortured, betrayed by people who are supposed to be believers as well. And he could have written, he could have gone on to write, and I've had it, I'm done. I've planted enough churches, I've raised up enough Christians, I'm done, I can't take this anymore. I think after the first lashing and the first time somebody takes a bat and beats the tar out of me, I think that would have been, you know what? I had a good run. Uh, It's time for somebody else to take over. Would you agree? Thanks, man. I I don't think I could do it. Yeah, yeah, my mom, who was... She had, I don't know if you know what carpal tunnel is. My mom had zero strength in her wrist, and she whipped me once, and I'm like, ah, I'm, I'm good. I'm out. It, it didn't help that I was 38. Um, sometimes sons just don't learn. <laughs> Speaking of which, so, so, so we write, we hear about Paul's gigantic struggles, right, that that these things are crazy. And there's this temptation to, for us to think, all right, I haven't gone through any of that, so I just need to kind of shove my stuff down because it's not that big a deal, right? Nobody needs to hear about what I'm struggling with because I don't have any lash marks on my back and I, did, I wasn't shipwrecked last week. I struggled through a test. I got my heart broken by this guy that, by this guy that my friend's dad said, don't tell her not to date this guy. Because that's kind of my job, I guess, as my daughter's friends. I'm I'm the dad who shouts, don't date anybody until you're married. (laughs) So there is this temptation that when we face struggle, when we face hardship, we, we can look and say, well, that's not that big a deal. So I'm just going to live with this thing. I'm going to try to power through. That's, uh, my parents got divorced when I was a freshman in high school, back in 1993. There was color TV. There were not cell phones. And so my dad was gone. Uh, you know, he's still alive, but he was gone, distant, absent. Um, and my mom, instead of being able to go to her friends for, to share that struggle with them, uh, she tried that with me, a 14-year-old who was struggling through this thing. And so I became mom's, like, Confidant. I don't know if you guys watch Golden Girls. Um, you're a pal and a confidant. Confidant, somebody you can trust, somebody, you can, somebody that's going to be there for you. And I, I had to try to do that for my mom. And I failed miserably because I wasn't ready for it. But that gave me this thought that I've got to be strong for my mom. So I, every, every bit of sadness, anger, I've got to push it down. I've got to put a smile on my face. 
and I've got to push through. And that turned into this thing where I just, I couldn't trust anybody with my hurt, with my sadness, with my fears, with my anger, with the things I was struggling with, with the sin in my life. I couldn't trust them because I got this idea in my head that Christians were supposed to be people who smiled all the time, people who were happy, people who didn't struggle. And I wasn't happy. And I was struggling. And so I pushed that stuff down. And Paul had that temptation, I'm sure, as well. That he was he was he would say elsewhere that he's a prisoner of Christ, a bondservant, a slave of Jesus. And so in his mind, whatever Jesus had for him, he was gonna do, but he could have had that same mindset of bitterness of this, this idea that I can't, I can't love well enough. I can't share. I can't be a part of other people's lives to the point where we have that kind of relationship because I'm just going to get hurt again. He could have done that. And I wanted to give up. You know that feeling? You guys, some of you here have had that feeling that ah, it's just, it isn't really worth it, so I'm going to stop trying. That's what I did. And so when that happens, we turn from God and there's a chance to turn to other things. We can turn to members of the opposite sex. We can turn to drugs and alcohol. We can turn to whatever you want to, to turn to that isn't God. For me, it was food. Um, I know I hide it well, but for me, it was food. Um, and I, I, I almost ate myself into the grave. I'm, I'm now 40 pounds lighter than my heaviest. Um, by the grace of God, because I love a good cheeseburger. And you hand me a bag of Doritos and that thing's gone. Pre yeah, that'll preach. So if there's one thing I think we all know, it's that feeling of wanting to give up, to give in, to just make everything a joke, or to seclude yourself from everyone else. And let life pass you by. Stop trying in the face of really hard things. And so with that mindset, when something comes up that takes work, like, like giving our lives to Jesus and letting him conform us to him, that's hard work. Let's be honest. Being like Jesus, it's tough. This thing feels like it's impossible sometimes. It feels easy to give up. Sometimes it's easier to give in. You 
You guys already know this. There are going to be things in your life that are not going to be easy. First time somebody picks up a shot put. First time somebody has to get a real job. Have you guys had to get real jobs yet? Ugh. Ugh. I wish there was somewhere in the Bible that said, yeah, it's okay. Just go play the lottery and win and live the rest of your life on that cruise ship. We've been called to work and work hard. And as frustrating, as difficult as some of these times are, you and I have to have this singular focus to get through these things. Paul had that singular focus. He had a perspective about setbacks that carried him through the beatings, the shipwrecks, the imprisonments, the gossip. I'm sure he got fed up with his parents at some point too. He said this. Now listen, remember that list that we have just gone through. He almost died five times by people whipping him with real whips. Beaten with rods. A Louisville slugger. Just beaten. And this is what he says after that. For our light and momentary troubles. Objection. Light and momentary troubles. My guys, your, your dad asked you to mow the yard, and your day was ruined, right? You missed a spot and go do it again, and it made you want to throw the mower through his window. Your mom told you to go in and change because those shorts are too short, and I just wish I had another mom. Paul calls being almost killed 20 times light and momentary troubles. And you and I, that squeaky bed, that was not a light and momentary problem. That ruined my weekend. How am I going to do this? I don't know how to do this. Remember, wife of 19 years, remember my dad left when I was a freshman? This is not light and momentary. I don't know how to do this stuff. He didn't teach me like he was supposed to. Light and momentary. Our oven isn't heating as quickly as it should. And I'm like, oh, you know how much ovens cost? Maybe if we just start a fire in the oven, that'll be good enough. But my wife won't let me do that. That's not light and momentary. That's gigantic and huge. Oh, this boy you like, has, I saw him talking to another girl. A week's ruined. Or you go the other way, just, I'm going to kill this woman. Light and momentary is what Paul said. Light and momentary. You know momentary? Momentary, it's going to be gone soon. 
He's on lash number 17 of 39, and he's like, light and momentary problem. But when Paul says light and momentary, this is what he's not saying. So he's not saying that resilience, this ability to come back, this ability to stand up once you've been knocked down, this ability to hope again when your hopes have been dashed and your heart's been broken. He's not saying that it's about just getting over it. You guys ever had somebody say, well, just get over it? It's a terrible thing to say. He's not saying that resilience is just moving on, right? He's not saying that, yes, this terrible thing happened. So just move on. Just be okay. You're good. You're not dead. Just keep moving. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying that you shouldn't make a big deal out of this thing. And please hear me say that too. We can read this list from Paul about his life-threatening and almost life-ending things, and the tendency would be for me to say, now, if you just wouldn't date, your heart wouldn't be broken, and that would be easy, and as a dad, I think that would be right, but that's, that's not what I'm saying either, because when you give your heart to someone, and they don't treat it like it should be. That doesn't feel light and momentary. That's huge. And it feels like it's going to take a while to get through. And so hear that. We're not saying get over it. We're not saying move on. We're not saying it's a big deal. It's not a big deal. What we are saying is we are suffering. We are experiencing trouble. Those things are real. They're tangible and they're difficult. Because life is hard. I wish I could stand and tell you that when you're 44, you're going to look back and say, man, that has been easy. Life is hard. It's a battle sometimes. It's a struggle sometimes every step. When you realize that, when you realize that we are suffering, we are experiencing trouble, that those things are real, then you can also come to the point where you, like Paul, can say, but those things are doing something in us. Those things are working on us. And somehow we're going to come out on the other side. But if you're like me, you don't want to think about the other side of this thing. You want to close your eyes and be done with it and throw that second frozen pizza in the oven. Jack's pepperoni. But here's the good news. Paul had this mindset that he can endure those things and that in Paul's life, those things really were light and momentary because of that one thing, knowing Jesus. 
It was knowing Jesus that made every struggle in Paul's life light and momentary. It was the things that Jesus was doing in and through Paul that made him be able to walk confidently into the prison, to walk confidently to his death. It was knowing Jesus. And my friends, it can be the same for us. At 44, at 14, it can be the same for us. This isn't just hyping yourself up with positive thinking. It's filtering every experience we have, every struggle we have, every argument with your mom, every stern, terrible thing your dad says. It's filtering those things through this one thing, that I know Jesus, and somehow Jesus is going to make this for my good. And I don't know how, and I don't know when, but I know it's going to happen. It's choosing to see ourselves and our situation the way God does. Because, man, I wish, I wish so many times that when we struggle or when one of my kids is sick or, or hurting, that, that God would just beam us out of that situation, right? That he would fast forward to when everything's fine. That he would change the circumstances. But it's choosing to believe that there's work God is doing in us, even in the middle of our difficult time, even as we're angry and hurting, confused, that God's doing something. And so many times in my life, I've given up on me that I didn't think I had what it takes. I didn't think I could get through what's going on. That I didn't have what it takes to be a, a husband. I didn't have what it takes to be a dad. And there are times you just want to give up and just coast through. The secret is not giving up on yourself. I can't give up on me because we serve a God who doesn't give up on us. One of the most frustrating things about the God that we serve is that he just won't give up on you. He's tenacious. One theologian called him the hound of heaven because, my friend, he's gotten on your scent and he's not going to stop until he brings you home. He's not going to stop until he's made you into the image of Jesus. He's not going to stop. And so who are we to give up if we serve a God who's not giving up on us? And so in the midst of it, Katie said it earlier, patience is better than pride. Because in our pride... We think this thing isn't fair, and this shouldn't be happening to me. But if we are patient, my friends, we realize that God can work, that God can heal hearts, that God can heal relationships, that God can make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way.
And so the more you get up and show up and choose not to give up in the face of these setbacks, the stronger and more resilient you'll become. So to help you through, in those times when everything seems like it's falling apart, when you're so frustrated, and even, even your A-plus parents are trying to walk you through some frustrating time, and you just can't hear them because they're the ones that you're angry about. Here are just a few questions that can help you through this. That if you ask yourself this and answer them honestly, right? Answer them honestly. It's going to help you through. The first one, what's really happening? What is happening here? What is really happening? Is mom really attacking my very core and saying that I'm a terrible person? <laughs> right. Or is she saying, yeah, those shorts are too short and you need a new pair of shorts? What's really happening? Because we lie to ourselves, guys. You ever, have you ever lied to yourself about what's happening in a situation? Just a show of hands. Have any of you guys ever lied? Um, leaders, have you ever lied to yourself about what's going on in a situation? Um. <laughs> so my next question is, how many of you just lied to me right now? And the rest of your hands should go up just then. What's really happening in this situation? What's going on here? The next thing, what is true no matter what? What is something that's true no matter what? No matter how I'm feeling, because my feelings change. What's true? And we would point to the truest thing that will ever be, that Jesus was dead, is alive, and is for you. And the Holy Spirit is here to make you into the image of Jesus. So whatever the circumstance, whatever the pain, the true thing is God's right here. And if you turn, which is the answer to the next question, the next question, what can you do? What can you do in this situation? You're not going, in the, you're not going out of the house with those shorts. Mom's made it clear. And dad is doing his job being behind mom saying, yeah, that's right. This was my idea. <laughs> Dads are pretty ridiculous. <laughs> that was the biggest response of the night. Mark it down. What can you do? What's the one thing you can do to remind yourself that who you are now is not who you're going to be on the other side of this. That who you are can be made more like Jesus for his responses, for your responses, your reactions to things, and how you speak and act through this stuff. What's happening? What's true? And what can you do? Second Corinthians 4.17 finishes with this. So Paul talks about our light and momentary troubles 
He finishes that verse with this. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. The reason Paul could look at everything he ever went through and call them light and momentary journey, uh, troubles is because he knew that what Jesus is doing in him far outweighs what's going on in the world. So your light and momentary troubles compared to what God can do in your life. And so that's the question for you tonight. What's going on with you? Do you have someone that you can tell and be honest with? Yeah, I am ticked off at my parents. And I'm pretty sure it might be because I'm overreacting. Or it's because they're jerks. What can you do? Do you have a group of people that you can go to, turn to, confess this stuff to, and know that they're going to be here for you no matter what? It just so happens you do here tonight. So what's God doing in your heart tonight about these troubles, this real stuff that's going on? And tonight, what do you decide to do with it? Let's pray. Father, these things don't feel like light and momentary troubles. This stuff feels hard. God, some of it feels impossible. And so we need you to come and help. We need you to help us make sense out of some of the stuff in our lives. God, we need you to come and and help give us patience, perspective, And God, tonight, I pray that you'd send your Holy Spirit, fill us up, and I pray that you'd give us a vision of what you're doing in us and through us, that God, tonight, you would give us a perspective to be able to call these things that we're struggling with light and momentary affliction, because we get a glimpse of what you're doing in our lives. So come, Lord. Pray that you'd empower our worship tonight, that you'd free hearts, that you'd ease minds, that you'd repair relationships, and that you would make us more like Jesus than when we got here. For it's in his mighty name that we pray tonight. Amen.